0: Buongiorno, everybody, and welcome! This is Identity Unlocked, and I'm your host, Vittorio Bertocz. Identity Unlocked is the podcast that discusses identity specifications and trends from a developer perspective. Identity Unlocked is powered by Auth0. This season is sponsored by the OpenID Foundation.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Matthias Woloski, the CTO and co-founder of OUTZero, and your host for today's Identity Unlocked episode. We wanted to do something different for today's episode, the last one of season two, and so we decided to turn the tables and interview Vittorio rather than the other way around. In this episode, we will focus on the JWT profile for OAuth 2 access tokens. And we are chatting with Vittorio Bartocci, principal architect at OutZero and author of the specification. Welcome, Vittorio. Thanks, Matthias, for having me. Thanks for joining me today. It's tradition. Let's start with how you ended up working identity. This is a very interesting story that I, I know, but I would like to hear that for our audience.
0: Sorry, I know, Matthias, you heard this uh, a hundred times. So please be patient as I repeat it once again. So like most of the people that uh, showed up at this microphone for this show, my trajectory to identity was uh, completely random. I really didn't want to do this. I wanted to do computational geometry. I studied at the university for doing uh, geographical terrain representation. Like I started, I wanted to do research on that. And then the year 2000 came and a dot-com bubble popped. And I found myself in Milan having to pay for my rent. And the only company that was hiring was Microsoft. And so I applied and they got me in, even if I'd never used Microsoft before. And interestingly, of course, they didn't do anything about visualization. So I ended up working on a customer that had both Microsoft and IBM and they really wanted to interoperate. So they were using Web Services, which was this uh, big thing in the year 2000. And I was using a product called uh, Web Services Enhancement, which was in beta, and it was uh, protecting Web Services, and it was using uh, SAML as a token for protecting the calls. And uh, so we built this entire project, it interoperated, it worked really well. And then when uh, these products came out of beta, the people in Redmond (laughs) decided to pull support for Samo. But we already sold this thing to the customer. And so the poor consultant had to do something. And that something was, uh, I re-implemented support for that from scratch. And that somehow created this idea, "Ah, if you have a question about identity, ask Victoria. And so people started asking me questions and I didn't want to turn them down. And so I Googled my answers. And so eventually it became a reality, like I did learn identity just uh, by, by doing that. And so also at the time, I had a blog, into, uh, it was 2003, so uh, it was very early on, and people in corp noticed, and they offered me a position. And so I moved to corp, I started working as an evangelist for enterprises, so not specifically identity, but identity was the most complex topic, no one wanted to touch it with a 10 foot pole, and so I played with it. And so long story short, I worked uh, more and more with that. uh, And uh, I made friends along the way, including you, Matthias. We worked together on a lot of interesting identity projects. And then eventually moved to the product team where I started working on uh, SDKs and uh, developer features. So Visual Studio support for identity, Azure Office. And after some time, I decided that I really uh, wanted to get closer, just uh, specifically. To the identity, to the developer audience for identity, and so I made this leap and I joined of zero about three years ago, and uh,
1: here we are today. Awesome. Well, there is a, there is a little secret that people don't know, but I tweeted about this at uh, a couple of uh, years ago, in two thousand six when I was starting to get into, yeah, you know, we we're doing software consulting and and I started to get into this whole identity thing. The first thing that really like caught me into this whole topic was your video on WS Trust explaining the whiteboard in the way that you you love doing. And I was like, wow, this is a super interesting topic. I want to know more about. And uh, here we are. (laughs) I don't know, like, uh, what is it, like 15 years later, working together and uh, improving the status quo of identity. So, yeah, it's it's great to have you. And uh, it's always been a pleasure to work with, with you and learn from you.
0: People cannot see it because it's only <laughs> audio, but uh, I am now red as a bell pepper.
1: <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, let's get into the topic of today, which is the JSON Web Token Profile for OAuth 2 Access Tokens, Mothful Spec Name. So what, what, do, what do you tell us a little bit about it, the problem statement and the value proposition of it?
0: It is a mouthful, but the idea is really very, very simple. The idea is if you are using JWT as a format for your access token, which is something that uh, I'd say most people in the industry already does, this specification tells you how. It gives you a list of uh, minimal claims that should show up. It tells you how to emit that token depending on uh, specific aspects of a request. most importantly, I'd say it tells you how to validate incoming token, like it gives you very specific rules on how to do that. And it has sections on security and privacy that tell you what to watch out for if you decided to go that route.
1: I remember when we started talking about this internally, uh, this was probably a year and a half ago, and, and, and now this is becoming a, a new spec. It took some time but can you walk us through like how a spec goes from idea to an actual spec?
0: I think it's reasonably typical, as in like uh, lots of other specs So went through the same route. For this particular problem, this was uh, a problem that bugged me for uh, most of the time I worked on OAuth, because OAuth is very uh, genetic on the matter of what goes inside of the access token. They just say, well, access token, is supposed to perform this function but then it's completely underspecified and in the normal scenario it's okay because uh, in the original scenario that they offered fought the authorization server and the resource server are collocated, and so the access token can be just a reference to a database that both entities can can look at so it made sense for them not to impose any structure in this but if you look at the market of zero, is just one instance of this common pattern in which you have a piece of software that performs the authorization server function, and the thing that consumes the token is in a completely different place. And so once it receives the token, it doesn't have the opportunity to just look up the same database. It has to validate this thing. And of course, there are ways of doing this. like There was the introspection spec that came out and similar, but... If you observe what people actually do, they were actually using uh, JWT all over the place. Pretty much everyone that I worked with were using uh, JWT. But the thing is, with no guidance, everyone were doing pretty much uh, a different thing. Like there is a common guidance as in uh, ID tokens smell similarly, although they are not used the same way. And so people did kind of an ID token. So in this particular case, this spec came came out out of my frustration of observing that uh, everyone is doing almost the same thing, functionally the same thing, but the syntax comes in the way, and so we cannot really interoperate. And also, a lot of people that are not super deep in the spec made occasionally questionable choices. Like, for example, I needed to send a JWT, the closest thing is an ID token, so I'll send an ID token without realizing that there are security issues in uh, sending an ID token in lieu of that. And so idea is, uh, okay, let's see what happens. Uh, so I started doing some research. I contacted my friends uh, at uh, um, Identity Server, like uh, Dominic and Brock. I contacted Brian at Ping Identity. I contacted Carl in Okta. And I contacted my friends in, in uh, Azure AD. And I asked them, can you please send me an example of access token for users, an example of access token for applications, like for uh, client credentials. And then two years ago, in uh, actually March of uh, two years ago, there was this wonderful conference in Stuttgart, which was an um, OAuth security workshop. And all the big brains uh, of this space were there. And so I did a little impromptu presentation showing them that these slides saying, okay, here is a a table with all the claims that all these uh, vendors that I mentioned use. There was also AWS, which I got from their documentation. And you can see that this stuff is almost the same. So why don't we do a profile? And there I got like an explosion of feedback, a lot of interesting stuff. But the point was, uh, why don't you write a proposal and you present these at the ITF meeting, which was two weeks later. So on the plane back, I furiously wrote the draft of this specification, which has to follow a really arcane format. There is this XML RPC, which is uh, interesting and uh, very moody. So, but anyway, I spent the entire flight back uh, writing this thing and then I did the little presentation, I submitted it, and the working group voted for adopting it. So this is typically the first step in the life cycle of a new spec. Someone has an idea, writes what is called an internet draft. There is a, a tool in uh, the IETF uh, which allow you to upload this thing. And then this thing appears as an indig- individual draft, which at that stage means nothing. It just means uh, this person wrote this uh, instead of uh, on a napkin on something that got uploaded. But in fact, then at this point, uh, uh it's in a place in which it can be easily referenced
1: and discussed. I've seen what you what you're saying, and I, when I started l- reading all these specs earlier in my career, you know, I was confused by like, okay, w- what is actually a, you know, an official one versus not? How do I realize if something is? I guess it's like the, the whole draft scene, but like it, it always stays draft forever. It seems like, we like, you know how do I pick up like, okay, what is actually serious and what is making progress versus not?
0: So uh, there, there, the main uh, difference is uh, in the URL. Let's say that uh, the moment in which you submit uh, a, a draft, it's, uh, at the first stage is uh, called an individual draft. And typically in the name of the file and uh, like hands in the URL, there is your surname. And so the first uh, submission was a uh, draft bertocci of access token JWT. Then once the group meets during the in-person or virtual itf uh, or uh, on the mailing list and similar and uh, the consensus is reached that uh, the working group wants to adopt this and actually work to improve it and uh, make it become a standard then this thing changes name someone like uh, some uh, some uh, i'd say officer officer in uh itf goes and says okay Now let's transform this thing from a draft Bertotri off-axis token to draft IETF off-axis token. And then when you go in the uh, data tracker, which is another page in the IETF, you see like these lanes in which uh, you see all the various versions. And you see that there is the lane that starts with individual and then becomes work. Some stuff remains individual because... uh, it's not like the fact that it doesn't become a working group item does is not necessarily an indictment that it's bad. It might simply be that it's a bit niche, that is a bit specific, or that uh, it talks about stuff which is not specifically for one working group, but maybe crosses other, or maybe the times aren't right for that. So, But in general, the main difference is if you see IETF in the name of the spec, then it is something that is being worked on. And then when you actually open the file, it will be a different degrees of uh, draft. And then it becomes, uh, an, uh, when it actually says RFC instead of drafting the name, that means that uh, it went through all the pain <laughs> which is necessary to turn it into a spec. And then it is officially a spec.
1: So we are getting a bit of track, but I think this is interesting for people to understand for someone to write one of these things, anyone can do it, but there's like certain tooling that you have to use, right? How, how that works?
0: Anyone can write it. The main thing that makes this uh, a bit funny is that uh, there is a specific syntax that you are supposed to use to writing RFCs. And when I started this back two years ago, the common thing to do was to use a specific XML dialect. And this XML dialect is used for structuring your document and every internet draft has always the same shape like it has a header which has to contain specific fields. Whenever you make a reference to something there is a specific tag you use for doing this reference. So, and then when you offer this stuff, and then you can use tools for validating whether this stuff is working, is not working, whether you are making violations. So there is a lot of work in terms of uh, learning the syntax, let's say. So it's not just a matter of having the idea, but you have also to learn a bit the tools. One thing I'd say is that the community is absolutely amazing. Like, if you are trying to do this and you are stumbling on issues, The people that work in this space, the people that you see answering emails on the mailing list are incredibly kind, super open to help. And in fact, here I have to publicly acknowledge Brian Campbell, who has been (laughs) incredibly patient when uh, I was learning this stuff. And then now there is another alternative, which is uh, Markdown. There is actually a flavor or two flavors of Markdown. That you can use for achieving the same result, it is significantly simpler. And for that, instead, I have to thank uh, Thorsten Larsen. I know I am butchering his surname. Sorry, Larson, Sorry, 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 Thorsten. Sorry. And Daniel Fett, who both work in uh, Yes. And they really helped me with the markdown, which I'm using for other specs that I'm working on.
1: Okay, let's go back to to the original track of the JWT profile for OAuth two access tokens. And- so, so you mentioned before that like uh, this created an explosion of, of of feedback and ideas. And can you talk a little bit about that? Like what triggered the amount of debate?
0: So basically, during the together first uh, presentation, it was first the notion of uh, actually providing something that gives structure to an access token. Like uh, for a while, people have been used to. Uh, not rely on a structure, and so some people were worried that by bringing this in, we would violate some uh, principles. And then we just uh, debated, uh, concluded that no, as long as uh, we maintain the layering that we normally have, as in the client keeps not looking inside the token, but only the recipient does, uh, then it will be fine. And then there were other things, like for example, one aspect that uh, I um, I observed. Some vendors do is uh, they express in the token the way in which uh, the token was uh, obtained. Did the client uh, authenticate itself or not? And so I added it as one of the things that I was suggesting we should use. And people uh, pushed back, saying, no, too much confusion. Uh, so, like in general, this was a, a harbinger of things to, to come. Like the, the feedback at that point was still pretty gentle, as in, uh, People in front of a beer, we were in Stuttgart, after all, discussing uh, things we are passionate about. But the moment in which this thing became something that we started working on as a working group, then the floodgates really did open. We started uh, really debating hard on things like, uh, for example, I wanted to make the request to only include one resource, because if you have uh, more than one resource and your token has in the audience more than one resource, then you get into trouble because uh, you might have scopes that have the same string for multiple resources, and so you don't know for what this scope applies to. And so we debated stuff like that. Or, uh, for example, in the metadata that you use for declaring the keys that you will use for validating stuff, which is similar to what you have uh, in OpenID Connect. At first, I thought that uh, one could uh, differentiate the keys that you use for access tokens versus ID tokens. And instead, I had a dialogue with uh, Annabel Bachman from AWS, who fought hard about this problem before I even mentioned this uh, into the spec. And basically, she demonstrated very clearly that uh, today, without extending metadata, you cannot reliably do that. Like uh, the moment in which you have keys in your metadata, there is no way for the authorization ser- for the resource server to really differentiate. And to me, that example is uh, one of the big values of the process of doing standards because uh, I'll be completely honest. I worked with Access Tokens and JWT with uh, hundreds of customers. I answered uh, tens of questions uh, on Stack Overflow. I presented and explained these uh, many, many times. So once I started writing this thing, I was expecting I would mostly write my experience and that my experience would would be it. And in of the process, I really learned that <laughs> I know very little, actually. Let's say that there are so many scenarios that I didn't experience, but that nonetheless, they are super valuable. And without this process, without putting this stuff in front of experts, without giving them the time to contribute their experience, those things would have been missed. And so I'm still not crazy about how slowly and how painfully things move in the context of standards. Like... Not every interaction is as productive. Like sometimes there will be someone who didn't follow the discussion at all. It will show up and say something. You have to say, ah, oh, here there's a link to this uh, other discussion we already had. And maybe they don't even read it. Or uh, there is someone who has a pet peeve and say, I want to save the word. And they try to use these particular spec for saving the word and say, well, you know, saving the word is out of scope. So not every interaction is productive, but the ones that are productive are absolutely key for truly giving to the community the right guidance. This has been like incredibly humbling for me, as in like, uh, truly I've learned a lot, both about this topic, but the meta-learning is, uh, yes, this uh, process is truly necessary.
1: Yeah, that's super interesting. I've seen some of those debates in the, in the mailing list and, and like how... It can be frustrating at points, but then, like, when you get the actual practitioners debating and like, getting your, their point of view, that's when things are good. So b- back to this value proposition, because I, just to round up, like, the whole idea of this, what is the, w- w- you know, when you started thinking about this and, like, if you now, like, fast forward five years from now and, and think all these resource servers and middle words and API gateways adopted this profile. What is going to be easier, what that, that's going to mean for, for everyone?
0: I think that there are a number of uh, potential advantages to this. The main one is uh, interrupt. Let's say that uh, today we have uh, a number of uh, middlewares out there which do their best to uh, provide the ability to validate incoming access tokens. But, in fact, uh, there is a limit to what we can do and say that uh, we mimic what we do for id tokens but access tokens are different like there are scopes or uh, like other uh, um other indications in there so having a true truly interoperable SDK having authorization servers that emit tokens that are truly interoperable should uh, allow us to um take even more concerns away from uh, the developer that can focus on creating the app instead of uh, thinking, oh, this uh, particular uh, provider uses scopes with a string scp, whereas this other uses a JSON array and it's called a scope. So all these kind of things we can uh, get rid of and we can have uh, a generic SDK for that. The other effect that I'm really hoping we can achieve is uh, to stop people from using ID tokens instead of access tokens. Let's say that uh, apart from very, very special cases, normally it's a bad idea because like the audience of the ID token is the client. And so if you start using the ID token against uh, an API, which instead has a different identifier, now every token that you can get from the client can be used with uh, any API that can accept this. And so it kind of like defeats the purpose of having an audience. Because now, like, if that token gets leaked, it can be used uh, with uh, way too many APIs. So I know that a lot of people in the industry do that officially, like Kubernetes, for example. They need a JWT, and so they use an ID token, but there are those challenges. The other thing is that ID tokens cannot be sender constrained because they are not designed to be sent away from the client. And so today is still a bit academia because uh, we don't have a lot of uh, send constraint out there, but the hope is that it will become more and more common. And so by adding access tokens, we'll be able to, um, to actually do that more uh, reliably. And then finally, I think that we can help with this by um, creating a more reliable structure for asking for tokens and for sending information out. Because uh, today, scopes are the only construct that people know that can do authorization in transit. Like there are other uh, specs like Scheme and similar that uh, speaks about data at rest, as in uh, how do I represent groups, or roles, and similar. But then when it comes to actually placing those in a token, which a lot of people do, then everyone has to do it in a slightly different way. And very often you'll see people uh, abusing to- uh, scopes and using scopes to express that kind of uh, information. And so by officially separating those, we'll have uh, hopefully a better way, again, of creating SDKs, uh, of creating gateways that can consume that information automatically so that we can uh, get the authorization a bit more streamlined instead of today everyone having to reinvent the wheel. And finally, the last thing I'd say is that uh, like a lot of people include identity information in the access token because if you are in a scenario in which you are sending the access token as a first party, the access token is the only artifact you are receiving. And so if you want identity information, unless you do something out of band, you've got to put it in there. And people do put it in there. But the privacy implications, the consent uh, prompts that you need to emit in that case, they're not always understood. And so that spec gave me the opportunity to gather the, inter- the collective intelligence in the community and place uh, recommendations in there so that hopefully people, when they design these systems, can now have more uh, concrete, actionable guidance to get things right and preserve privacy.
1: Yeah, this is great explanation. Thank you. So, do you want to close with some call to action for this? Absolutely.
0: So, I have we mixed feelings. <laughs> I would invite people to follow the discussion for this particular spec on the list. Now we just entered the ISG phase, and so it's again open for feedback. And so if uh, you use JWT as a format for your access tokens, by all means, please uh, take a look and uh, see if there is something that you'd like to include as a scenario if you want something different and similar. And and I say mixed feelings because uh, I really want to be able to close this thing. But at the same time, I really want it to be right. Like there's no point of getting to RFC and then uh, it doesn't work for uh, the scenarios it's meant to work for. The second part of it I'd like to issue is a bit more complex, but I want to do it anyway. If you look at most of the interactions that you see there, you'll see that we are mostly guys. We are mostly middle-aged, mostly white guys. And I think that's a shame. And I think that the, the process is not always very friendly, but there are no technical constraints that stop anyone from subscribing to a mailing list, and uh, contributing to a mailing list. And uh, you don't have to be an expert on everything. As long as the scenario that is being discussed, not just with spec, any spec that is discussed, if it is uh, a scenario that you have an experience on, don't worry about like uh, knowing everything else. You know what is your experience with the thing. And your experience is practical, and hence it is important, it is interesting for everyone. So we are missing... Your voice substantially. And so, here, my call to action would be please participate. And if you need help, if you need like a Virgil that guides you through hell and says, here is how you do this, I'm always open, find ways of connecting with me. I know that others in the community are in the same place. So, please, if you want to contribute, do not hesitate, get in touch. And we'll do what we can to help you because we really want to hear your voice.
1: Excellent. That's a, that's a really nice call call to action. And uh, you really gave us a lot to think about today with this uh, new spec and join the mailing list. Don't give too much feedback, just enough so that it gets you perfect status and the opportunity to get uh, also mentored and uh, you know, word to with Vittorio in these type of things. You know, if you if you want to participate in this mailing list, you didn't get to it because it's a lot of white guys talking. This is the opportunity. You should you should definitely take on that. So, thanks a lot, Vittorio, for your time today. This was a bit of a special one. Uh, we reverse roles, uh, um, and it's a, it's an honor to be the host on this Identity Unlocked podcast. Which, by the way. It was a, a bit of a baby that we created two years ago when, in, in some brainstorming sessions in a 101. So I'm super happy to see how this is evolving and like the amount of topics that you're talking about, and the amount of knowledge that we are sharing through this vehicle. So super happy with it. And again, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for uh, interviewing me today and uh, for the backing of the initiative until now. Thank you. The OpenID Foundation is a proud sponsor of the Identity Unlocked podcast. Since its formation in 2007, the foundation has committed to promoting, protecting, and advancing the OpenID community and technologies. Please consider joining the foundation and contributing to current working groups. To learn more about the OIDF, please visit www.openid.net. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app or at identityunlocked.com. Until next time, I'm Vittorio Bertocci, and this is Identity Unlocked. Music for this podcast, composed and performed by Marcelo Wolowski. Identity Unlocked is powered by Of Zero. Copyright 2020, Of Zero Incorporated, all rights reserved.